Get ready to jumpstart your scientific career with practical advice on being a successful and contented scientist. Each episode of the Happy Scientist podcast delivers hands-on, actionable steps you can take to ensure you stay happy, focused, and satisfied in the lab. Available on all popular podcast platforms, hit the subscribe button and start your journey towards a more fulfilling scientific career. the Happy Scientist Podcast. Each episode is designed to make you more focused, more productive, and more satisfied in the lab. You can find us online at bitesizebio.com slash happy scientist. Your hosts are Kenneth Vogt, founder of the executive coaching firm Vera Claritas, and Dr. Nick Oswald, PhD, bioscientist, and founder of Bitesize Bio. Hello, everyone. Welcome back to The Happy Scientist. And today, we're giving Nick the day off because, you know, we, we have uh, we have an operation that is just lousy with scientists. So <laughs> today we're going to be we're going to be having a conversation um, with with uh, Dr. Laura Grassi, who is a senior a senior managing editor, your managing editor. I don't know. What, what is your title here? Do you know? <laughs> That's an interesting question. Yeah, I'm managing editor. Managing editor at Bite Size Bio. Get another and get another scientist to uh, to bring some perspective to this. And uh, she's a PhD molecular biologist. And as you all know, I'm not a biologist. Uh, you know, my background is computer science, and in in that regard, um, when it comes to science, it doesn't doesn't usually go any farther than math for me. Doesn't even get to physics because I'm a software guy. <laughs> Whereas I look at that title, Laura, and I see I see molecular and biologist and the molecules and biology. Well, well you're going to bring a whole new flavor to this. <laughs> and by the way, uh, the, the way this particular episode came about, Nick had suggested that we should ask some some of our scientists topics they think should be covered and i thought well that's a good idea since they have been mostly been posited by me a few by nick but mostly by me and i'm the i'm the last guy you should ask right <laughs> well i put together a list of things that i thought would be worth talking about and put it by some of the some of the uh phds here at bite size bio and said what do you think about these and mostly they said those sound like good ideas. And I'm like, whew, that's good. And they said, and you left a few out. <laughs> and one of the ones that got left out was this one. And that is how unlinking your identity from your work can make you happier and work better. Now, this was suggested by Laura. Well, and I thought, well, since Laura made the suggestion, surely I should put her on with me and we can talk about this. So here she is. <laughs> So I I want to I want to start off with a kind of a smart aleck question. You know, we we've all heard of the French philosopher René Descartes and how he said, "I think, therefore I am." And I started wondering about that, and I thought, I wonder how many how many scientists out there believe that I work, therefore I am, and they think that's the truth. So I want to put that question to you, Laura. What do you think? Is this is this a common outlook? Yes, and it's definitely one I felt when I was in the lab as well, was that my <clears throat> entire identity was based on 
not only the fact that I worked, but what I did. Um, yeah, I think that a lot of people in science uh, do ha- would identify with that phrase. I work, therefore I am actually. So I think that's a, a quite a good a good twist on the philosophy quote there. So why do you suppose that is? What what is it about science that causes that to be a common outlook? Um, I think there's a few different things, actually. One of them probably could be the roots of science, where it came from a hobby. It came from what people did in their free time. Um, so in some ways did define them. Um, but also, it, it, I think there's a a very big negative culture in science to that it should be your life ro- revolving around science. And there's there's a degree to that that, that has to happen. Experiments and um depending on what you're working on, on a nine to five job, it's very difficult to fit that into nine to five. So there's quite often times you'll be in the lab, you know, late or on weekends or things like that. Um, and if you're not careful, it's very easy for that to then take over and your entire life to be dictated by the, the job. Sure. And, and I imagine that's not entirely unique to science. And I'm, I certainly know a lot of engineers that are very driven that way. I know, I know a bunch of entrepreneurs that are driven that way. Um, and and it's a it's a cultural thing too, and that, and this may differ from culture to culture. You know, you you can tell by uh, listening to our voices that Laura and I are in slightly different cultures, <laughs> but we're both in Western culture. But you know, I wonder um, for those out there who are in Asian culture, you know, say you're in Chinese culture, you're in Japanese culture, or you're in Indian culture. Um, in in America, I'll say this, and I think it's probably true for the Western world in general. If you ask somebody about themselves, the first thing they'll tell you is their name. And the next thing they'll tell you is what they do for a living, what they do for work. Um, and I know in other cultures, it might be that you tell people the town you come from or the family you come from, but it's a big deal in, in Western culture that that who you are is associated with what you do for work. And that is not an automatic connection. Because remember, there was a time before you had a job, let alone a job in a lab. (laughs) You know, you just used to be Billy on the block, you know. (laughs) Um, But then one day, what became more important was that, that you are a lab based scientist. And in some cases, it's a matter of pride. You know, it's like, you know, and you should be proud of it. You work very hard to get to this level. Um, You know, I've worked very hard and yet I can't work in a lab (laughs) because I haven't done the right work to get there. Uh, And there are plenty of people that have have tried and failed to get there. So the fact that you got there, you know, that's, that's not something to look down upon. On the other hand, it's not automatic that you are that work so and part of the question might be then is it necessary if you're going to succeed in this work do you have to be identified to such a degree with your work to be successful so i'll put that question to you laura is is identity as a scientist a critical factor in being successful no i don't think it is actually and you know we've been lucky at bites as to talk to some really successful scientists and actually you know, when you talk to them, they, they are so much more than just the job with outside hobbies and things like that. So I actually think that, no, you absolutely do not have to be just what you do. And it, it, it's actually to say it's detrimental in some ways, I think, to to do that as well. 
Okay, so let's let's widen out on that a bit because it might be you could say, well, you don't have to, but it helps. But you just made the comment that potentially it hurts. So how might it hurt? I think it can cause you to become too um, emotionally involved in your work, which is the one thing you shouldn't be if you're a scientist. If you if you put your your whole identity on what you do, then um, success and failure can have a very dramatic consequences for your self-worth and mental health um and you can yeah i think that can then hamper the work you do uh and make it harder to to succeed sure and and i imagine for some of you this is going to hit going to hit home hard you're going to hear that and go yeah i i took my last failure very personally but also understand that when you take your last success very personally that is also damaging and it doesn't seem that way. It seems like, well, I should I should relish the, the glory of success. The problem is, is then you become addicted to it. And it becomes a necessary component. And you're in a business where success is not only not guaranteed, you need to fail at least some of the time. If you're not failing some of the time, you're not pushing the envelope hard enough. And I mean, that's really critical in what you all do. So it's got to be there. Like what you're hearing? Ready to supercharge your scientific career? Discover practical advice on what it takes to be a successful scientist without sacrificing happiness. Learn the importance of meeting your human needs, identifying and unlocking your charisma factors, discovering your core mindsets, and much more. Subscribe to the Happy Scientist podcast and download the Happy Scientist reference pack and get started on your journey to becoming a happier scientist today. Subscribe now and check the show notes to download. So um, this 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 makes me think of another thing because you know this is this is the Happy Scientist podcast. So what does happiness have to do with the quality of your work? If I can't rely on identifying with my work, how how am I going to be happy with my work? So you have any thoughts on that, Laura? Oh, what about happiness and yeah? How- how happy do you have to be in your job to do a good job at it? I don't think you have to be happy in your job. I think you have to be happy in who you are as a person. Um, and I think that would then naturally flow out to being happy in your job. But again, I think, or maybe rather it's about being content. Um, I think maybe chasing the the constant success, which is what a lot of people would equate to being happy, is that feeling of success, again, is quite dangerous. And actually it's more about, knowing that you've put in what you need to do and whether that results in success or failure um, then doesn't impact your mood but you know that the effort so it's more marking you know am I happy with my effort rather than am I happy with my result sure because part of the part of the problem with success is it's fleeting you're succeeding today but tomorrow that might change you know there's a lot of what have you done for me lately in this and it's not, it's not your boss who's doing that or your whoever is giving you the grant that's doing that. You're doing it to yourself. You're constantly assessing yourself. Am I measuring up or not? And if your measure comes down to how well your science is succeeding or failing, that's going to impact you personally. And ultimately, that's going to hurt you in your work because I mean, it, it becomes almost... Uh, almost bipolar. And I, I realize that's a, 
an actual condition, and I'm not in any way denigrating anyone who is dealing with that condition. But you know, be clear here that there are ups and there are downs. And if you live for the ups, the downs will be devastating. And, and that's not good for anybody. And it's also not good for your science. How can you stay focused if you're having to deal with that kind of of um, emotional pressure on doing your job? Yeah, there's there's enough intellectual pressure on doing your job. There's enough enough tactile pressure. You know, things, the stuff that you have to be good at doing, and that many people outside of the field might not even realize. But you know, there there are there are just downright physical skills that where you're just good as a mechanic in the lab which is required and and that goes beyond intellectual effort that is about about um you know just gaining skills and it's, it's one of the things that bite-sized bios is, is there to help you with is those things they don't teach you in university that you have to learn in the lab and some people have learned some things and they they go on to talk about it and and that's that's very helpful and that will make you give you uh, more of an opportunity to be happy in your job. And, 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 and I like what you said earlier, Laura, that your happiness kind of flows from, uh, are you happy as a person already outside of the fact that you're a scientist? You know, are you happy in your life? And that, that, that all feeds back in. It goes in both directions. You know, your, your life can start to be pressured because you're not liking your job, but your job can start to be pressured because you're not liking your life. <laughs> so, um, so here's a proposal if you're okay if you're not going to be my name is bob and i am a molecular biologist if you're not going to identify that way the question is if you're not going to be a phd lab scientist by identity who are you going to be so what do you think about that what 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 can we offer people as things that they can identify with that will help their work and help them be happier in general. Yeah, so this is something I've given a lot of thought to because um, it was something that I've read a long time ago from um, actually a book by Darren Brown called Happy. Um, and he he was one of the ones that said, you know, we have this culture of asking people, the first thing we do when we meet someone is asking them what they do. Um, and it's so I tried to stop doing that. And, you know, to, to think about other ways that I could describe myself to people um, and to to figure out who other people were, because also I think it's a, it's a really difficult thing to associate someone with a job because, you, don't, you know, scientists aren't all the same. They have different likes and dislikes. You don't really understand what who a person is just by their job title. Um, so I think actually it's more about the kind of, you know, thinking about the kind of things that you enjoy. You know, are you a runner? Are you a swimmer? Are You know, so it could be some sort of exercise. Are you a book lover? You know, do you what kind of movies do you like to watch? Do you like to cook? Do you like to garden? You know what? If you didn't have to work, what would you spend your free time doing? Probably to me is the best way to think about who you are. I like it. And, and as you pointed out, some of that stuff could be measurable things because you could be if you're a runner you could be a runner who runs races and and you have you will have the chance to to uh to uh to win or lose or you could just be a runner who who runs to be out and out outside and running you know you you have a choice of how you want to take that you know and 
we we've uh, talked before how how Nick Oswald is a he's a rock star on the side, <laughs> you know. I mean, he has he has a legit band, you know, and and he's good at it. Now he doesn't have to do it that way, um, you know. I well, I, up up until his stroke, I enjoyed playing guitar and and playing piano, and um, for for now that is on hold, but. <laughs> Because I'm not entirely identified with that. I didn't, I wasn't, I'm Ken and I'm a guitarist. I mean, that would have been devastating for me. I, I, I don't have to have my identity be associated with any particular thing. Um, I, I often say I used to be a programmer. <laughs> it's not that I don't know how. <laughs> I, I did it for decades, literally. And then I managed people doing it for, for a long time. So I, I'm very... I'm very, uh, I'm very aware of that part of it, but it, but I'm not attached to it. And things can change. That's the other thing about this is that what you're identified with today can change. You know, um, you know, Laura, you got a you got a, a young child at home, but at some point that young child is not going to be so young anymore, and not your your association with motherhood may be different at that point. And you know, that may be true for for everybody that's a parent, or in fact, it should be true. You know, my baby is 33, you know, <laughs> so um, obviously the relationship has changed, but you know, you can keep, you can keep choosing what your identity will be. And so, uh, you know, we've talked about how this, this separation of identity can benefit your work in, to a certain degree, um, you know, things like, um, you don't have to be associated with the failures of the job because there are going to be failures. There are going to be times when things don't go as you wish. There are going to be times when grants get canceled. There are going to be times when experiments go just off the rails. There are going to be times when equipment breaks. There are going to be times when, when people quit that all kinds of stuff can go wrong. But um, if you, if you don't have your identity associated with that, well, you'll roll with the punches and you'll keep moving. And in fact, if you start if you start to identify yourself as somebody who's a problem solver, those things not only won't be negative, they will be an opportunity. I think about the 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 movie Apollo thirteen, and you know they're they're trying desperately to get them home. In the conversation in the control room, yeah, somebody says, you know, have you have you thought about what the press release should look like when you know when they all get killed? And, and uh, the character turns to him and says, well. Servant, uh, I believe this is going to be NASA's finest hour <laughs> because he believed they could solve the problem, you know, and that's that's a, a really, really important thing when it comes to science. Um, I want to comment on two things that will be in the show notes before I forget here. Uh, one is a link to to an article. It's called You May Not Be Who You Think You Are, <laughs> um, and it's, it's a brief read, and it's worth looking at, and it it looks at the question of identifying with your work, but some other things too. And then another one is a, a link to a bite-sized bio article called the 10 lab commandments or the guide to a happy lab. That that's a worthwhile read too. a little, little bit longer, but not, it's still bite-sized. So worth, worth checking out. So, um, here you are, you've, you've decided, okay, I've, I've, that's it. I'm no longer going to be Bob, the, the molecular biologist by automatic definition. I'm going to be, I'm going to be Bob the runner. I'm going to be 
Bob the musician. I'm going to be Bob the book club member. <laughs> I'm going to be Bob the Renaissance man. And that's that. And by the way, you can be Sarah the Renaissance woman too. <laughs> um, so having all of these other interests, how can you feed that into your work? Now you, you mentioned how you got to sometimes be so dedicated to this work and it could be all hours of the day, but how do you have the rest of your life feed into this work and help your work life? I think having, well, first of all, I want to touch on uh, one of the other things I think you, you, you brought up there, which was really good, which is, it's not also about what you do. It's about who you are. So personality traits, like being a problem solver. I think that looking for the kind of identity in that way is really good as well. Um, you know, for example, myself, I would consider myself tenacious. I don't give up. And thinking of myself that way helps through difficult times, um, whether it be at work or not, to get through them. That's who I am. I can do this. I can get through it. Um, <clears throat> I think in terms of how can you help your not work life um, feed into your work life by having an identity outside of it is it allows you to refresh and it allows you to take a step back as well. Um, because if you're if your work is your life and it defines who you are, um, then you, like you said, you will take every failure very personally and it will start to feed negatively into you, uh, your negative um, and create a very negative mindset. And I'm saying this from someone who went through this. Um, I was very much someone during my PhD who made the job my life um, and had, I did have interests outside of them, but I didn't really consider that to be who I was. I felt that I was a scientist. Um, and then when it, you know, it, for me, a career path in science just didn't seem to be the right choice. It was very difficult, even though looking back now, it was the right choice for me to leave the bench at the time, because that was my identity. It really caused a lot of problems for me. I had a few years after I left my PhD where I just felt lost and empty. And like I had failed as a person because I hadn't, followed this career path that I thought I was going to follow and I thought that that had made me um a failure um but instead if I'd if I'd spent more time you know I think thinking and and now I try and do it very much where I'm you know I am not what I do but I am a person outside of that it again it lets me step back and see things more objectively and put some distance between the job and me so that I don't take those failures personally and like you said I think it's really important don't take those successes personally as well you know yes something that you do that worked really well could be because you did an excellent job it could also be luck <laughs> um and and riding that success and thinking that you're a wonderful person and then letting it inflate your ego can also allow you to mess up on the job but also like you say uh, create a big problem when things do go wrong again because you've identified that as who you are so yeah that separate identity feeding in it, it rejuvenates you it gives you meaning outside of the job so that you can be more neutral and that's what scientists should be they shouldn't be emotional when it comes to the work they should be neutral um, and be able to see and science is somewhere where you're going to fail a lot that is the nature of science um so it's not like you know failure is going to happen once in a blue moon you know <laughs> for for a lot of us it happens you know daily or weekly um <laughs> and it'll it'll build resistance to that and uh, resilience to that and instead of going oh I just can't get this right it'll also I think allow you that objectivity where uh, you know sometimes some fantastic successes in science have come from failures um and just being able to instead of go oh that's not right I've done that wrong 
if something goes not the way you expect, you can go, huh, why did that happen? And maybe you'll be able to see the opportunity. <laughs> yeah, that's interesting. I love that idea. Like, well, that's not what I expected. That's that's a that's a fun state to be in. And you know, I found that uh, in the past with software development. Now, software is something you really don't want it to not work. <laughs> <laughs> but sometimes when something fails, you go, wow, that how did we do that? Now, now it becomes an interesting thing to look at and maybe something useful comes out of it. Maybe not, but, but you know, why not? Why not take a look, see what's out there? Yeah, agreed. The other, and the other side of this, this all feeds back to your life. You know, like if, if, your li if your work is going successfully and you're happy in your work and you're learning things that are life lessons, there are things that you can teach to your children. There are things that, that you can apply in, in your relationships. There are things that you can apply to your own health and, and, and your own personal growth. It, it's, it, these things aren't so compartmentalized. Your, your life and your work are not in these silos that don't touch each other. So that is the discussion of how you can unlink the identity your, your self-identity from your work. So is there anything else, Laura, that uh, you want to add as a wrap-up? Uh, just that it's not an easy process. Um, I think something it's been grained into us from society as well as science uh, in general. So don't beat yourself up if it takes you <laughs> a while to to start to unlink that. Um, but just trying, I think, will make a, a big difference to most people. Right. And the fact is, you've already been doing hard things for a long time power to you. You can do this. You can, you can make this work. You can be happy and you don't have to tell everybody about your PhD. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, on that note, we'll, uh, we'll call this a wrap. Thank you so much, Laura, for being with us today. And maybe we'll hear from her again in the future because she had other ideas. <laughs> thanks, Ken. All right. Thanks. Bye now. Thank you for listening to the Happy Scientist podcast helping you to become a happier, healthier, and more productive scientist. To get more Happy Scientist podcast episodes and all of our downloadables, please go to bitesizebio.com forward slash the happy scientist, all one word. And in particular, you might want to spend some time on episodes one to nine, where we talk about the foundational principles of human needs, core mindsets, and charisma factors, which we refer to in many episodes. You can also hook up with us on Facebook at facebook.com forward slash the happy scientist podcast all one word to get latest episodes and additional material we hope to see you there the happy scientist is brought to you by bite size bio your mentor in the lab bite size bio features thousands of articles and webinars contributed by hundreds of phd scientists and scientific companies who freely offer their hard-won wisdom and solutions to the bite size bio community thanks for tuning in if you enjoyed this episode and want to keep learning practical tips on being a happy and successful scientist don't wait any longer Subscribe to the Happy Scientist podcast and download the Happy Scientist reference pack today. And together, let's reignite that passion for science that first got you into the lab. 
Remember, you can find us on all major podcast platforms. So hit that subscribe button now and check the show notes to download.